1: With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears, presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming.
2: What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast, a victory edition of the Bear Report Podcast, the Chicago Bears. Are 1-0 following their week one win over the San Francisco 49ers, a 19-10 victory in a monsoon at Soldier Field, a very fun game to be at to watch as the rain came pouring down um, on both teams. We're going to recap that game a little bit. We're going to talk about the Bears' upcoming game by bringing on a guest, Zach Jacobson of the Packer Report. He's been on before. He's going to help us out. In getting to know Green Bay as they are 0-1 to start the season. I almost said 1-0, but they are 0-1 to start the season. Before we get into all that, though, we need to do a couple things for us. Really could use the help here on the podcast by subscribing on all major podcasting platforms. Rate, review, We're um, on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, um, or well, Apple Podcasts as they call it now. Um, and you can also find us on Megaphone, so please do that. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let's get into this episode. Before we do that, I do have to bring in my co-host Aaron Lumming. And Aaron, I think both of us are going to have to eat our crow. We both picked against the Bears last week. Um, we thought the 49ers were going to win. And the complete opposite happened. And and the Bears are now 1-0. But you know what? I'll take it. I'll admit I was wrong. And I'm happy that the Bears are 1-0 to start the year.
3: Right there with you. I mean, I, I, I'm i honestly, I mean, we we're talking about it right before we started recording. I'm still in a little bit of shock. I mean, it. And the thing is is it wasn't like they barely won or they got lucky and they won. I know some people are gonna form it as that because of the weather or whatever. The Bears scored nineteen unanswered points, right? In the second half. They don't like they they looked terrible in the first half, especially offensively. They were down seven-nothing coming out of that half. They ended up winning the game nineteen it should have been twenty-one, but obviously Kyler Santos had his own issues, but nineteen to ten. They shut them out uh, outside of that field goal in the very beginning of the, the third quarter. They shut them out and dominated the game. Um, You know, again, I'm still not sold that this team's got a lot of talent, especially offensively, but I think that we saw exactly what we kind of talked about is that this team may not have a ton of talent, uh, but they're going to be in a lot of games this year. And I I, I think that, you know, obviously it's one game, so we can't get too ahead of ourselves, but I think – we saw what a well-coached team uh, with mental stamina um, and and a hunger to you know try to figure out ways to win games can do. And again, it, it's one game. Week one is wild. Th- that doesn't mean you should go out and change your record predictions. Obviously, we'll be having a very different conversation if they go on. They beat the Packers on Sunday night. We're gonna be we're gonna be having a different conversation. We're gonna have to adjust expectations accordingly, but. It's still a hell of a win, man. I mean, there's really no – you can't take anything away from it. I know everybody's wanting to make this about Justin Fields and Trey Lance and so on and so forth. I'll be honest and say I don't know how you can judge either quarterback. Uh, You know, and I tweeted this out. I think it was yesterday. You know, ultimately Justin Fields looked terrible in the first half of the game. I was starting to get a little worried. He comes out. He has that one big play, uh, you know, the broken play. And then everything starts clicking for him. Um, Neither quarterback had good games, but this is what I will say. I am very glad that Justin Fields was the guy that grabbed the game by the horns, took control of it and played his best when the, when the bears absolutely needed him. So I I don't know, man, I don't, I I don't know how anybody can be upset um, or have any negative feelings about that game, because honestly it was, it was a fantastic game, especially when you're considering how young and new this roster is. And considering the fact that this is his coaching staff's first game, uh, you know, with this new regime. The only thing that sucked about the game <clears throat> was
2: the first half in offense for the Bears was was brutal to watch. But, like, the rain, if you're out there at Soldier Field, I was fortunate I was in a press box. I wasn't getting soaked. But I can imagine for the fans the rain sucked. Though well, they did win the game, so I guess it kind of makes you feel a little better. Um, but let me ask you this, Aaron. How many times have we seen a Bears team – Let's say in the past, let's say 10 years, fall behind at halftime, look completely lifeless at halftime, zero points. You know, they, they had six drives where they had five punts and one reception. They look like, you know, really bad in the first half. But how many times have we seen a team look like that and just roll over in the second half, completely not show up, get stomped, not do anything about it? How many times have we seen that? We didn't see that at all Sunday. We, this was crazy. Like, this is a new regime. And I think to come out in the second half and not roll over and make adjustments, play disciplined football, not turn the ball over in the second half force takeaways and get a win. I, I probably could count on one hand, how many times we've seen that actually happen in the past 10 years.
3: Sorry. I, I was, <laughs> I left myself on mute there. I yeah. Would you were muted. <laughs> yeah. I would say I would absolutely agree. I, I think, The one, obviously, I'm sure there are a few, Um, I don't have the greatest of memories, so I'm just going to kind of throw that out there. This is not me, you know, trying to be hyperbolic, anything like that, but here's what I will say. The one, the one game that comes to mind for me, um, and it's not even within the last 10 years, I think that was actually 2006, was they are who we thought they were game, right, where the Bears looked absolutely horrible uh, for the majority of that game and came back and won it, but I, I can't think, and again, I'm probably missing something. So if what, what about
2: San Francisco week two? Like 20, remember the cutler game when they opened up the new yeah. were, they, were they down at halftime?
3: Yeah, they were. That was that was a trestman game when uh, when Brandon Marshall went off in the second half. Yeah, I guess that would be because that was yeah, I guess that because that was 2012, 2013. Yeah, Ther- I think it was 2013. Yeah, so 13? One of those. I think it was I think you know what? It actually, no, it was 2014 because that was they, they lost week one, and then yeah. they lost the next two, and they were like, okay, the Bears are going to figure this out, and then they just completely tailspin. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, thinking about it, you know, obviously it's it's easy to think about it from the Matt Nagy era just because, you know, we all went through that for three years. Uh, was it three or four years? I can't even remember anymore. Maybe it was four. See, I, that's what I'm saying. my, my uh, Yeah, four right. years, 2018 yeah. to 2021. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it but, yeah, that was – And I think that was a huge issue and a complaint for a lot of us was that the Bears failed to make halftime adjustments during that, uh, during that regime, during that era with that coaching staff. And, you know, I'll be honest, man, I, I went into going into halftime. I was sitting there thinking, I don't know how this game is seven to nothing. But I don't see how this is going to get any better. And then, of course, they come out in the the first half that that first drive right out of the first half. They march all the way down the field with that big play. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. It was fun while it lasted. And again, man, all it took was that one play. But it's something. And again, you know, kind of rewinding back to the you know the very beginning of all this when the Bears hired Ryan Poles when they hired Matt Eberflus and. You know, I'll be honest, like Matt Eberflues is definitely not high on my list of candidates. He wasn't, you know, super, super low. There were a few guys I definitely would have taken over him, including the two other guys that seemed to be in the top contention for the job. I mean, he was my favorite of those three, but that, you know, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. I didn't really think those other two were very good candidates. But when you go back to that opening introductory press conference and you listen to Matt Iberflus talk and he's talking about the HITS principle and was a lot of coach speak and there were a lot of people that rolled their eyes and that were kind of like all right this this doesn't sound very promising i remember multiple different people kind of talking about like that was just not a great presser from him so on and so forth but i think what we've seen is everything that matt Eberflus talks about he means and it may not be the most sexy thing to listen to it may be frustrating to sit there and listen to you know, him talking press conferences and not reveal anything, not reveal who's going to be starting at center and guard and, you know, not reveal injuries until they have to release the injury reports and whatever else. But the reality of it is, man, is like he is living what he is saying. And this team is clearly buying into it. And we saw it on display, man. We talked about it in the preseason how those three preseason games, they were very disciplined and they were rallying to the ball. The hits principle was in full effect the whole, and Matty Rufluse has said this multiple times, the controlling the controllables, right? Controlling the controllables. And that sounds cliche and it sounds kind of cheesy, but ultimately that's what the Bears did. They did what they could control. And ultimately they came out in the second half against, in my personal opinion, at least on paper, outside of the quarterback position, a considerably better team. A a team that was, and that's the thing, is, like people keep downing the 49ers, Dude, the 49ers were a few uh, different plays away from going to the Super Bowl a year ago. That, that This is the same team that beat the Packers in the playoffs, got all the way to the NFC Championship game, and very well could have been in the Super Bowl for the second time in a three-year span. So, again, we're, we're talking about a team that has had a considerable amount of success over the last few years, including this last year. This is a good football team. And the Bears came out and just absolutely put it to them in the second half and showed a crazy amount of resolve not only not just for a rebuilding team not just for a team that is in year 1 of a new coaching staff but in general they committed three total penalties one of those i don't think anybody knew was a penalty until it happened with the whole Trent Gill thing i mean it was just a, their defense for for as much talent or as you know as much talent as they may you know quote unquote lack or as many questions as they may have defensively The defense played outstanding. And, again, I know everybody's saying the weather this, the weather that. Both teams had to play in the weather, okay? And that's just really what this comes down to. And I know people want to keep talking about the weather and how, you know, if this is a normal game, it would have been different. Maybe it would have. But the the reality of it is is that both teams had the adversity of playing in this crazy weather. And the fact is the Bears came out and scored 19 unanswered points in the second half and took control of the game. And not only did they take control of the game, I mean, I think people kind of forget this. It was a 13-10 to game at one point. It was still very much a game at that point. And what happens? Eddie Jackson goes out and gets his first interception since 2019. What do they do? They go down, they score a touchdown. And then from there, they had two, uh, you know, basically two defensive stops, turnover on down. And that was it. So it's like, again there's just no way, at least in my opinion, you, you can feel however you want to feel about the overall outlook of the, of the season, but there's nothing negative in my opinion that you can really take away from this game from Bears' standpoint, because they did everything and more that you would expect them to do. And quite frankly, they were one of the bigger upsets because if you look at the spread going in the game, you know, the, the, the 49ers are favored by seven going into this game. I mean, this was, this was one of the bigger point spreads in the entire league going into week one. And the Bears beat this team by nine points, and really it should have been 11. Yeah, overall, I mean, it really
2: wasn't a good week for the the big favorites out there. Um, A lot of survivor pools probably uh, coming crashing down with some of those upsets. But, yeah, I agree with everything you said. And, you know, it it just goes back to me. It's they bought into the hits principle. You know, they're a disciplined team. They're not making those mistakes. The one turnover that Justin Fields had was bad. We can all admit that. I mean, that's a play you just can't make. But then he comes back in the second half and you know he could have crumbled, he could have let it snowball. instead. He comes out, throws two touchdowns, you know, scrambles, making plays happen with his feet and keeping plays alive, and it and, and it paid off for him, and it paid off for the offense. You know, the one thing I would say that I, you know, probably take away from this game um, as a as a negative would be the lack of the run game for the Bears outside of Khalil Herbert. I do think David Montgomery, <clears throat> excuse me, struggled a little bit. And what I've noticed with him, kind of looking back at the film, is there, you know there's times where he doesn't pick the right run lane, or tries to bounce to a different run lane that's not designed and not where it's supposed to be. And I think that does hurt him. Now it's just one game here, so it, it you know he could obviously rebound and and come back against Green Bay. But I like what they have in that backfield with Herbert, and I think if Montgomery gets going. And with Fields gets better here, they could have a two-headed monster on run game for him to lean on. And that should open up the pass game a little more. But, you know, overall, I was pleased with what I saw. Um, I'm happy the Bears got a win. And like you said, to a point they talked about earlier, you beat Green Bay and things change. I mean, you're looking at a 2-0 team. You're looking at a team that's going into week three against Houston. They have a very favorable schedule in the first half of the season. We've, we've talked about it plenty of times um on the podcast you know you have new york the giants you go to minnesota it looks like it'd be a tough game then you host the commanders the patriots are looked pretty bad against the dolphins then you're at dallas who knows if prescott's coming back you have miami that's a tough game then you have the lions and falcons and jets right there before you play green bay um and then you go into your bye week i mean you go two and oh And you're kind of opening yourself up to talking about, okay, maybe we can contend or stay in a playoff race till the end, you know, maybe not make the playoffs, but hey, maybe we can contend and stay in it till the end. And it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting game here on Sunday night in Green
3: Bay. It is. It is. And, you know, the, it, again, obviously we've seen zero injury reports. We don't have any idea yet as to what the Packers are going to look like, but the early reports so far saying that the, the Packers could be missing Elgin, Elgin Jenkins. Uh, they could be missing uh, David Bakhtiari again. And it sounds like John Runyon is very unlikely to play in the game because he went out with a concussion. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've seen the turnaround usually guys do not come back the next week with a concussion. So. It, there's a very real chance that the Packers could be down three of their five st- uh, starting offensive linemen. And for those who didn't watch the Packers game, which I would assume that a decent amount of people did, even if you went back and watched the replay or caught the second half, I mean, the biggest issue on the Packers' uh, offensive side of the ball was the fact that their offensive line. Was a jumbled mess. I mean, they they have so many guys right now that are hurt and that they're trying to figure out spots for. I mean, their their two best linemen are out right now, man. I, I don't really know how else to put it. And then obviously, Alan Lazard also didn't play. Uh, you know, and Quay Walker, one of their starting linebackers, I think it was their their second round pick, uh, or maybe it was because it, did they have two one or two first round picks? He was either a first or second round pick. They, I know they,
2: they had two first. They had uh, the, the the Raiders first rounder.
3: That's right, yeah, because they yep. took – I know they took Devontae Wyatt or Devon Wyatt or whatever his name is, Wyatt. Uh, and then, okay, so maybe they took Quay Walker in the first round. Either way, I mean, you get the point. I mean, the, the, he could miss the game as well. I mean, this is this is a prime opportunity for the Bears to go into to Lambeau Field and upset the Packers. And, you know, in terms of trends, going back to when Dave Wonstadt was hired back in 1993, every single first-year head coach the Bears have hired in their first year – has beat the Packers. So again, you know, it, it, you can look at that and then you can look at some of the odds stacked against in the fact that Aaron Rodgers is obviously 22 and 5 against the Bears. The Bears are 2 and 8 in their last 10 games at Lambeau Field. You know, there's a lot of different things. I mean, Aaron Rodgers when he throws zero touchdowns and one or more interceptions, that's only happened four times in his career. He comes back the next week and he's basically un, you know, invincible. He's had I think it was like 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions, a completion rate well over 70. And uh, He's averaging, I think it's like 260 or 270 yards through the air. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot to contend with there, right? But at the same time, uh, again, man, this is this is a, a situation, obviously, you know, whether you want to drink the Kool-Aid or not, that's that's completely up to you. Um, obviously, a lot of crazy stuff happens in week one. I don't blame you if you do. I don't blame you if you don't. I mean, I don't think many people had the Bears coming out and beating the 49ers the way that it happened. So, Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game because, again, in a lot of ways, you know, the deck is much more stacked against the Packers. The one thing I will say is, again, going back to last year, the Packers lost 38 to 3 on the road to the New Orleans Saints. And then they came back and they rattled off seven wins in a row. And frankly, it could have been a hell of a lot more if it wasn't for the fact that Aaron Rodgers got COVID. They play Kansas City. They end up losing that game thirteen to seven with Jordan Love uh, getting uh, his you know his first NFL uh, you know career NFL start. So yeah, man, it's uh it, it it's exciting because it's just one of those situations where you know the Bears played. I think the Bears played a lot better than most people expected them to play. And again, there's still a lot of stuff to clean up. Like you pointed out, I think you know David Montgomery was a negative. Uh, obviously Cairo Santos was a negative with this two missed extra points. You have to hope that was just weather related. And it's also worth noting that there's a 60% chance as of right now, that it's going to be raining in green Bay the night that the bears and the Packers play who's, you know, who, who has the advantage or who knows? I mean, again, you're talking about another similarly built team with uh, with the Packers. I mean, obviously they got a much better quarterback, but I mean, they got a good running game. Uh, You know, the offensive line will will play a big factor too, but yeah, I, I think, and we've talked about this a lot, right? Where, you know, this season is going to be what you as a fan make it, right? The expectations are about as low as that they should be for a long time. And, you know, I, I had I had the Bears losing the first two games. You know, anybody who read the you know, my, my usual yearly season preview. I had them losing the first two games. They've already won one of those games. If they somehow pull out two and zero, it's like I had them at six and eleven. They pull out two and zero, and especially some of these teams that look like they were going to be better, uh, you know, on paper aren't. I mean, like you pointed out. I mean, Dak Prescott. I, I know that they said he's going to be back in 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 four weeks. Every medical expert that's weighed in on this said that it's very much more likely that he's going to come back after the bye. And if he comes back anytime before that, he's going to be severely hampered. Um, so all of a sudden that becomes a winnable game. Uh, New England looks super beatable. Again, this is all one week, so we'll just have to see what happens. But some of these games have changed. And again, that's not to say the Bears are going to make the playoffs. The Bears are going to win nine or ten games, but it is to say that the Bears already had a lot of winnable games. But at the same time, those those same winnable games that you know on the other side of those teams, a lot of the fan bases are looking at the Bears as a winnable game. So. I don't know, man. Again, you never want to overreact too much to week one, um, but at the same time, I, I think that uh, you know one of my biggest question marks, I wouldn't call it a concern, but a question mark moving into the season with such a young roster, 65% turnover on this roster from, from last year to this year, uh, it's going to take a while for these guys to figure out how to play together. And, you know, it's going to take them a while because a lot of these guys are young, inexperienced, and unproven. I mean, they had a total of, what was it, uh, was it like 13? I think it was 11 or 13 total rookies uh, that, that made the, the final roster. It's, it's one of those situations where it's going to take a little bit for them to win. And it's going to take a little bit for them to learn how to win, I guess I should say. And the fact that they were able to come out last you know this last week and do it I, I think shows some good stuff and obviously we'll have to see what happens but again like i said i mean if if if, if they come out and they win on on sunday we're looking at a very different outlook uh, at least in my opinion and again that's not to say that they will be a playoff team but i think that that makes them a lot more viable and competitive for the rest of the season especially given how different and how much easier their schedule looks on paper this year versus last year
2: Yeah, no, no, I definitely agree with you. And this one's going to be a big one. And I think it's going to transition well into our preview for week two um, between the Bears and Packers. Before we bring on Zachary Jacobson of the Packer Report, we got to tell our listeners about Odds trainer. With football season here, college football, NFL, NLB is going into the playoff run, NHL starting up here in the month of October, NBA, there's golf. Everything's going on in soccer. You want to make sure you get the best odds at all major sports books. And there's one place I can put all that info for you together, and that's Odds Trader. Odds Trader is a place to compare odds from all major sports books, giving you sign-up codes, promotions, the latest spreads, over-under totals, all that good stuff um, all in one place. And to make it even better, they give you key stats, injury reports, player statistics, projected game day weather, it all helps you make the best bets possible. If you're like me, I'm more old school. I like to keep track of my bets on a piece of paper. I did it last week when I had a nice week betting college football. But looking at Odds Trader, you can use that app and website to keep track of your bets with their big bet tracker. Keeps the records and all the betting activity. I love it. I was using it as well last week, and it was helping me um, with my handicapping. It gives me the play-by-play, the live scores, all that good stuff want to make sure to go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. Aaron, let's bring in Zachary Jacobson. He covers the Packers for Packer Report, also part of the 24-7 Sports Network. You, He was on with us last year as well. He's a really good follow, um, knows his stuff with the Packers, and it should be a good week here between the Bears and Packers. Let's bring him on.
0: Just go to indeed.com/slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: And now joining me here on the Bear Report Podcast is Zach Jacobson, Packers Reporter for 24-7 Sports, Packer Report, CBS Sports. He's a good follow on Twitter. Knows the stuff about Green Bay, and he's going to give us some insight on Bears and Packers here in Week Two. Zach, it's been a while since you joined us last time, but uh, thanks for joining us here again.
4: Yeah, it's been a a very, very, very long time. It feels like, and it also feels like a lot of stuff has happened since the last time. You know, just regarding the Packers and Bears. But uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you guys bringing me back. You, you didn't you didn't hate me the first time, and you liked me enough to bring me back a second time. So that's always good.
2: No, no, for sure. we we always welcome Packer reporters. We know about the rivalry, but you're cool with us. You've been cool with us, so we love to have you on. Um let's get right into it, man, because Sunday was a crazy day for Bears fans. We gonna sit through a monsoon. We watched the Bears win in a game I didn't think they were gonna win. And then literally right away, right after that, it's like from the start, Green Bay struggle against Minnesota. What the hell happened up there in Minnesota um, that led to those struggles?
4: i mean i think your guess is as good as mine you know i will say that for the entire time the packers have been coached by matt Lafleur, the identity of this football team well i don't want to say identity because they they don't like using that that term you know but the structure of this offense operates through the offensive line and the running game the packers didn't have any issues with the running game against the vikings like Aaron Jones was ripping up chunks of yardage. J.J. Dillon was getting what he wanted. He was a factor in the receiving game. There was no problem with, with the running game. It was the offensive line up front when it came down to pass protection. I mean, this is a group that they have zero experience together. I mean, Yash was starting at left tackle. John Runyon was at left guard before he left the game the concussion. Josh Myers, he's the, the center, starting center, usually. And at right guard, they had Jake Hansen, who the sixth round pick from 2020, the Packers, he had like one career snap coming into this season. Matt LaFleur said he loved his training camp, which is why he he and the team felt like he was one of their best five offensive linemen. And then at right tackle was Royce Newman, who started all of last year at right guard. So it was a really unfamiliar group up front while they're still waiting for David boxyard to get back. They're still waiting for Elton Jenkins. There was just a lot of moving pieces that even during the game, they had to do a little shuffling. Zach Tom, the fourth round rookie, he came in and replaced Runyon when he left with that aforementioned concussion. So, with that being said, there must there was just so there was so much miscommunication, I feel like. And you take that into account, as well as the fact that the Packers are playing with like this foreign receiving group. Sammy Watkins' his first game as a Packer, the two rookies, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. And Watson played the second most snaps. It was Sammy Watkins played 41 snaps, and Watson played 40. He didn't play at all in the preseason. He was sidelined with a knee injury. He he had surgery on the knee in June. And the Packers were kind of easing him back in. But this kid with no experience, their second-round pick, very first play of the game, 75-yard touchdown, that didn't happen. He he dropped it, and that was an issue for him coming out of North Dakota State. So you take all these moving parts in the offense, and you have this expectation from Aaron Rodgers that, you know, he's used to having with Devontae Adams, you know, a certain connection that he's used to having, and the offense is operated a certain way. We knew that there were going to be growing pains. We knew that this, this offense was going to go through, you know, Trial and error, trial and error, figuring out what works and what doesn't, how to get on the same page with each other, and you know, for the most part, they failed their first test. You know, and the Vikings, let's not get anything twisted here. The Vikings are a really good football team. They're they're really good. They have promising pieces on the defensive side. They have what could end up being one of the most explosive offenses in football. Um, so you know, it was a matter of Matt Lafleur. I feel like getting out coached and not adjusting accordingly throughout the game. You know, when guys struggled. Like I know, I'm going on a rant here, but again, it all starts on the offensive line, and when there are problems in the offensive line, everything else falls apart, and we saw that firsthand.
3: Well, and kind of rewinding back to last year, I mean, this is this is something that a lot of Packers fans and and the Packers are 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 you know, it's something that they're used to. I mean, they they got blown out. 38 to three last year against the saints. Right. And I think a lot of us were like, okay, maybe this is, maybe this is really not, you know, maybe, maybe the Packers are just finally falling apart. And then obviously they reel off seven games in a row could have been a lot more had it not been for the fact that Aaron Rodgers went down with an injury. Now here's what I will say. I watched the game. Uh, I I think the score in some ways is a little misleading just because, and this is something that I mentioned, you know, when, when Zach and I were recording before this is that like you pointed out, I mean, if and Watson, Watson makes that catch, you know, obviously that, that all of a sudden it becomes it, it becomes a much closer game. Um, you know, if Aaron Rodgers makes some of the throws, just with you know the miscommunication, if you want to blame the receivers, blame Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't matter. I mean, there were there, there was just a disconnect within the passing game. If some of that goes away, it's a much closer game. So, tell me, is this different from last year? Because it, it, it's weird. It's, it's like I my perspective is I felt like the the Packers were a lot closer. In week one this year, in terms of a bad game, than they were last year. But then I read, you know, just the different articles and different stuff from some of the beat reporters, and it seems like they feel like there's a lot more to clean up this year than there was last year. What's your take on it? Because I, I don't know, I, I seem to think that they're in a lot better shape this year than they would have been last year.
4: It's it's really tough to say because you look at last year and they had continuity. You know, they had an offensive line in place. They had Devonte Adams, so it they were more likely to kind of rebound from a loss like that. But now you fast forward to, to last Sunday, you know, they don't really necessarily have that, that luxury, you know? And I mean, to compare, to compare the two games and it's not just you guys. Like I've seen so many people make the comparison to last year, just because I mean, three out of the four years of Matt LaFleur being the head coach, they've started off slowly. They've either went into Chicago and struggled to win that game in 2019 or, you know, they got smacked around by the Saints last year in 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 Florida. That is kind of like an anomaly of a game. I feel like just being kind of displaced away from away from from Lambeau, away from New Orleans, like a normal stadium that they're used to playing in. This that was just kind of it, kind of threw a cog into like you know they're what they were kind of expecting going into that season. So I mean that, and now they lost to a really good team in in Minnesota. What I feel like is more comparable is the 2019 season that first year under the floor they they kind of took a little time to get going to to figure out how they wanted their offense to operate how they wanted everything to stem from the running game um and that was before aj dylan got there but back then they had jamal williams who was a really good uh, number two back behind aaron jones but you know it took them the majority of the season to kind of really find their footing and and figure out what they wanted to do and how to do it you know, and, and it was a long kind of tumultuous season. The defense wasn't terrible. And we saw so many communication breakdowns with, with the defense uh, against the Vikings. A lot of just kind of head scratching plays like the the first big play to Justin Jefferson where he kind of, he split the two safeties between Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. So, you know, I don't want to say that they're in a better shape now because it, it's just, it, it's hard to make that proclamation. You know, we don't know what this football team is going to be. They have a very their defense is projected to be one of the best. So, ideally, if they struggle throughout the season the way they did in Minnesota, then they're going to be able to lean on that defense. But that's just that's impossible if they play the way they did against the Vikings. So, there's a lot of moving parts at, at play right now. But, you know, it helps that they've been there before as far as, like, starting 0-1-1, getting the shit smacked out of them in the first game of the season. It helps that they have a little bit of familiarity with that.
2: Looking at that Vikings game, Justin Jefferson is a monster. I mean, we all, we all know it. We all know what he yeah. can do. What was that game plan for Green Bay? Because it kind of felt like they didn't want Jair Alexander on him or judging by these comments, he wanted to be on, on um, Justin Jefferson. It just didn't work out that way. What happened out there? And, you know, looking at Sunday, Darnell Mooney, not on Justin Jefferson's level, but he's the best receiver the Bears have. Should we expect Alexander on him? What should we kind of expect for Sunday's game?
4: I look, I, I have shit on the bears receivers more than anyone this past off season. I think you guys have seen that firsthand, but Darnell, Darnell Mooney is, is a monster. He's, he's one of, he's, he's up there with Justin Jefferson as far as like the best guys in the NFC North. So it doesn't even, it, it doesn't really matter. Even if Jair Alexander is on him, that's going to be a tough task. It's just a matter of, are the Vikings or are, are the Bears going to be able to exploit some of these matchups the way the Vikings did? Because Kevin O'Connell, he was using a ton of motion and, you know, he comes from that Ram system with Sean McVay. So of course there's going to be a lot of pre-snap stuff involved, a lot of things to kind of get the Packers into a compromising position. And that happened a few times. I mean, at one point, Preston Smith was, was guarding Justin Jefferson and that was just like, that, that that was insane, but that's more so a tip of the hat to the Vikings and how they how they kind of structured their offense in that game and how they kind of just moved Justin Jefferson around, you know, as that little chess piece. But the game plan was, it, it's its its interesting because Matt LaFleur says the Packers are obviously a strictly zone defense right now. And if they were going to play man, then they would have to commit to man for the entire game. They'd have to completely change the structure of the defense. And I don't necessarily buy that. Um, I think if if your best cornerback, is on the field and he's healthy he should be on the opposing team's best receiver he should follow him he should shadow him that should be regardless that's that should be the route you take especially throughout the game when justin justin jefferson's already dicing you up he is already finding ways to get into open space he is being placed in open space and schemed into successful spots and the packers and joe barry they had no answer for that you know we saw we saw him match up on a bunch of different guys. We saw him match up on both safeties. We saw him match up against Devondre Campbell, matchup against Rasul Douglas, who, you know, by all accounts was expected to enter the season as the Packers' top nickelback, you know, with Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes on, on their respective boundaries. But, you know, that hasn't been the case. And again, that's just hats off to the Vikings for exploiting those matchups and forcing the Packers to play some of their guys out of position. Now, as far as what to expect with Darnell Mooney, that's it just it, it it's going to be interesting to see because do the Packers kind of use what happened in Minnesota as a reason to to shift predominantly to to man coverage, completely change their philosophy on defense, or do they just continue to ride the wave as as a zone scheme the way they've done for the last two years under Joe Barry and just kind of live and die by the big plays? You know, it, it, there's going to be times when Alexander's matched up with Mooney, but that's also going to be on the bears for you know how they approach that schematically you know how they get him into favorable positions
3: and i'll be honest i i don't i, I don't think the packers would be smart to go away from zone i i mean the, the, that's what the 49ers did uh you know last week and for the most part it worked out well you know outside of the second half but kind of transitioning back over offensively just because that's where a lot of the injuries are right now And and again, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. No injury reports have been released. I'm not asking you to predict the future or give anything, you know, too concrete. But what do you think the statuses are with with, uh, Jenkins, with Bakhtiari, with Alan Lazard, um, John Runyon, obviously, with a concussion, Quay Walker? I mean, where do you think all these guys stand? Because I think that any key for the bears to win this game is probably going to be predicated on the the Packers offensive line. I, right? because again, I mean, we, the, the, the Bears offense is a work in progress, but I think defensively they've at least got some stuff to work with. And I think that they're going to have to rely on that. So where are the Packers at in terms of injuries?
4: Yeah, well, it, it was, it was odd with David Bakhtiari. you know, he was practicing and then they held him out of Friday before the game. So you know, it's tough to see kind of like where he's at right now, but all signs are pointing towards him being held out of, of Sunday night. Um, and the same thing with Elton Jenkins. I feel like Jenkins is closer to potentially returning than Bakhtiari is, which is just insane to say because we've been, you know, going through this with Bakhtiari for almost two years now. And again, it's not it's not his fault. It's just a really unfortunate uh, unfortunate situation. But, you know, I, I would expect them both to be held out uh, Sunday night and potentially be on the lineup. I wouldn't play them against the Buccaneers because that's, that's the next game. They're going to be in Tampa Bay. I wouldn't do that. But um, the Packers today, they, they promoted Caleb Jones from the practice squad. He's uh, the 6'9, 370 pound offensive tackle. And a lot of people kind of viewed that as like a black cloud over box. and Jenkins It's like, Oh, they promoted this tackle from the practice squad. So that must mean, that must mean bad news, you know, for, for, for the tackles. But, that's not necessarily the case. There are other teams that were trying to sign Jones. Uh, Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, he pointed to the Ravens and the Buccaneers as teams that could potentially try to sign him off the practice squad. So, you know, I think ideally, there's no more practice squad protection. So they needed to, to kind of get him away from, from, from those waters and get him on the roster. But uh that's as far as the offensive line goes right now and John Runyon he's still in the concussion protocol we won't know more about that until Wednesday when they practice for the first time uh Quay Walker uh yeah he I think he's gonna be okay I think they dodged a a pretty big injury with him um I would not be surprised if they if they hold him out against the Bears but you know just just kind of looking at how kind of slim they are in that room right now because Chris Barnes he suffered a high ankle injury and a calf injury uh, high ankle sprain excuse me so he's on IR today that was the corresponding move for Caleb Jones Uh they're left pretty much really really thin at middle linebacker which is pretty ridiculous because that was one of the deepest positions on the roster shockingly uh, at uh inside linebacker right now it's just Devondre Campbell and Isaiah McDuffie as the only healthy middle linebackers they could provo- uh, promote Ray Wilborn from the practice squad or elevate him for the game but you know, that remains to be seen. Right now, they're just kind of nothing too long-term, you know, other than Chris Barnes, who's going to be missing, you know, four games at minimum, but nothing too long-term. Quay Walker has a chance to play on Sunday. Uh, John Runyon has a chance if he can get out of concussion protocol. But, you know, the statuses of Bakhtiari and Jenkins are still really up in the air right now.
2: How does Justin Fields successfully attack this Packers defense? Where should we be looking at in terms of that?
4: That's that is honestly a really good question. I feel like if I can give you a good enough answer, I should be a, def- a, a, a offensive coordinator. <laughs> but you know, attacking this defense is just going to be predicated on getting the ball out quickly and using a lot, uh, a, a lot of kind of um, pre snap motion, just because that that is what the Vikings did and it worked. I feel like this defense is, yeah, they they're a group that have that have played together for a year now under the same scheme, the same coordinator but at the same time they're coming off a very shaky performance and right now you can't put too much faith in them being able to combat things like that so unless they miraculously you know improved in that facet you know throughout the course of the week then i feel like the best way that the bears can attack them is through a lot of that pre-snap motion mixing up some of these coverages and getting some of the packers uh secondary guys out of position you know that's that was one of the biggest things that the Vikings were able to do successfully. And they exploited a lot, a lot of those mismatches.
3: Well, one of the things that we had actually talked about, I think it was, I think it was before preseason, I could be wrong, was talking about the differences, you know, between the Packers receiving core and the Bears receiving core. And obviously, you know, we had different perspectives on that, which is fine, you know, Uh, but from, from the Packers perspective, What's your overall read? Because it, it seemed like, it, at least in reading your tweets and, and, and kind of seeing some other Packers people's perspective, it seemed like uh, most people expected Randall Cobb to be more involved. And obviously we haven't seen anything from Alan Lazard yet because he's been hurt. Uh, but who do you think between, especially between, let's just say Christian Watson and, and Romeo Dobbs, who's going to be the guy that really steps up? Or are they both going to be big parts of this offense this year?
4: I think the fact that, Christian Watson dropped that 75 yard touchdown on the very first play of his career after not playing all summer. The fact that he still played the second most snaps out of the entire receiving room in that game against the Vikings, I think that really tells you everything you need to know about how they think about him just right now and in the long term. They want him to be a significant part of this offense, and he has the tools for it. He has the speed, he has the route ability. It's just a matter of limiting those mental mistakes and getting his hands, getting his hands on point. That's really what it boils down to with him, but he's definitely going to be a significant part. I mean, they need him. They need him to be a significant part of the offense. Same with Romeo Dobbs. And as Aaron Rodgers has said multiple times, you know, there's, there's urgency, you know, they don't have time. They don't have the luxury of waiting for these guys to develop. You know, it, it's not like a Devonte Adams situation where he came into a room that already had Jordy Nelson that already had Randall Cobb. Um, James Jones. Okay. They didn't have James Jones in 2014, but James Jones came back in 2015 and he was kind of like one, of you know, one of the biggest veteran presence uh, presence in that room. So, you know, they don't have that luxury, you know, Alan Lazard. Sure. You can consider him a veteran Randall Cobb. Uh, yeah. Of course, a veteran he's going into his 12th season, Sammy Watkins, but this is still, he's still an unfamiliar kind of face. He's still mastering the scheme at the same rate. These rookies are, you know, it's, it's, unfamiliar to him too he does have a year with the rams uh that little bit of familiarity with Matt LaFleur when when LaFleur was there but you know that doesn't necessarily translate five years down the road and you know when you've bounced around between two different teams in that span you know it's it's hard to really be like okay you've played in this scheme before let's just plug you in and and, you know like it's Madden. it just it doesn't work that way so you know I feel like right now at the beginning of the season yeah they're going to lean on guys like Lazard and Cobb and Watkins at least that's who that's who Rogers keeps pointing at as the three guys at the top of the depth chart. Um, I think in this early stage of the season, yeah, they're going to lean on them, but you know, the rookies are going to get their opportunities, you know, whether they're ready for them or not is a whole totally different story, but they need to be thrown into the fire and they need to be tested because that is how they're going to learn. They need to experience these mistakes because that is how they're going to improve and eventually become impactful components of this offense. So yeah, the expectation is that they'll contribute significantly. If not soon, then at some point during the season.
2: What the hell is Nathaniel Hackett doing last night on Monday Night Football? <laughs> like, what <laughs> was that?
4: He he spent too much time with Matt Lafleur, you know, <laughs> and, and Matt Lafleur's clock management skills. I think that's what that was.
2: Oh yeah, I saw that tweet you had last night, and, and I was like, this is incredible. I'm watching him like, okay, like first off, you're, you you trade these assets for Russell Wilson um you pay him this money and then you're you're trusting a 64 yarder like the second longest field goal in NFL history like this is crazy I mean uh you know did he I mean I, I know your tweet might have been a little joking a little serious but what were you thinking like watching that like okay that was our former you know OC what what was going kind of going through your mind
4: to be honest I I was on the phone with my girlfriend at the time so I was just kind of like I was like paying attention to that conversation, but also watching what was happening on my, on my TV. (laughs) And I was like, what what the fuck? (laughs) And I saw Russell Wilson was there, you know, he wasted a good 30 seconds before calling that, you know, finally calling a timeout. It was like, what, around 20, 21 seconds when they finally did it. I just feel like on on fourth and five, you, like you said, you pay all that money to Russell Wilson. You trust him to be able to get you five yards, you know, at, at the very least, if you are confident. I mean, that's not, that is not a bad offense, like they have all the pieces. They have a really good running back tandem. And Tim Patrick's not there, but they still have a really good duo at wide receiver. Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. You have all these weapons on offense. And Nathaniel Hackett, who was a huge part of the Packers' offensive success the last two years. And you're telling me you can't get five yards? Five stupid yards. That's it. Just get get your kicker a little closer. And you, you have three timeouts in your pocket at that point. I just I feel like you call a timeout early. Come up with a play, master the design, and go for it. Because if you look, if you if you don't get it, then you don't get it. You lose. But that's pretty much what's going to happen if you attempt a sixty-four-yard fucking field goal. I don't. I just I don't understand that. I don't understand it at all.
3: Yeah, it was a uh, it was a weird move, and I I couldn't help but think because obviously you know a lot of the trade rumors last year, and honestly the, the beginning you know before Aaron Rodgers signed his contract was. That maybe Aaron Rodgers goes to you know goes to Denver, and I couldn't help but think it's like, does he do that same? Does he make that same exact decision with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? Because I don't think he does. I, I it just, but it's just crazy to me because if you look at Russell Wilson since he's coming to the league, it's like the dude has been one of the best uh two-minute drill quarterbacks in terms of game-winning drives in the NFL since he's coming to the league. What is it ten years ago? So it's just, yeah, that was. That was crazy. So, my final question for you is, and we'll just make this kind of easy. What's your biggest X factor or, you know, biggest thing that you think, you know, needs to go right for the Packers uh, to win on Sunday night?
4: I don't know if you've noticed, but I kind of have a theme with everything I'm talking about when it comes to their offense, and it's the offensive line. Uh, they need to be better. They need to be better, not necessarily as run blockers, because again, they, they, were blocking pretty well in the run game and they were getting upfield. And even Aaron Rodgers tried to throw a block on Zadarius Smith and he just got creamed, you know, sent right back to the turf. So uh, run blocking was fine. They just need to be able to protect Aaron Rodgers, especially for some of these, some of these longer developing plays. Like there were so many times I, I'm going to, I'm going to go back a little bit. There were so many times in January in that loss to the 49ers where he was not patient. He was zeroing in on Devontae Adams. Guys were coming open across the field. And even specifically on the very last play, they had an offense where he heaved it to Devontae Adams in double coverage, didn't sit in the pocket, didn't wait for things to kind of develop and open up. If he did, he would have seen Alan Lazard coming across the field, middle of the field wide open, hits him, extends the drive, and all of a sudden they're in, they're in field goal range to, to potentially win. So that was a theme again against the Vikings. Guys were coming open. Christian Watson was getting open. I don't, I don't want things to get misconstrued here when we're talking about the rookies. Like Christian Watson was getting open, like with ease and the same with Romeo Dobbs. Sammy Watkins was even coming across on a crosser, and Aaron Rodgers flipped it to the flat to Aaron Jones, and it was an incompletion. I mean uh, AJ Dillon So there were opportunities there. There were so many plays left on the field, which is why I'm not like too worried about this. Once they get it figured out, they go to the film room and kind of be like, "Oh, okay, I had this guy here, I had that guy there. I just got to be patient." They'll figure it out, but in order to do that, in order to be patient and to let these routes develop, the offensive line has to be on point. They need guys to hold up their blocks and need to get the right blocks, which was something Aaron Rodgers said that they failed at against the Vikings. They you know, they made the wrong blocks. They kind of keyed in on the wrong protections, so a lot of plays that they ran in Minnesota were kind of doomed. They were doomed from the start, pretty much, just because they were what Rodgers talks about. It was mental errors. Like he's not just referring to the receivers when he talks about that. He's talking about the linemen making mental errors too, especially with a young, inexperienced group like what they have right now. So that's going to be the X factor for me. They got to protect Aaron Rodgers to be able to sit in the pocket, you know, because he's he's transitioned at this point of his career and in this offense, he's transitioned into a pocket passer. He's not the guy that's going to, you know, maneuver his way out of the pocket, wiggle here, wiggle there, shimmy here, and hit guys on the run. You know, he's not playing with Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings and, you know, James Jones anymore. Guys that know when to work back to the quarterback and to free themselves up so he can hit them on the run. You know, these guys are inexperienced. They're not, you know, they're they're not aficionados with the offense yet. They're not at that point. They can get there, but it's going to take the reps and it's going to take the opportunities and the targets. So in order for that to happen, the offensive line has to be a lot better than they were in Minnesota.
2: Yeah, as we wrap things up, give us a prediction. Who who wins and what's the score?
4: All right, I don't want you guys to corner me here because, you know, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... In spite of all the shit I'm talking on the Packers right now, I I still think they kind of use... I don't want to say... That... I've seen so many people say this. Like, oh, they're going to... It's a good thing they're playing the Bears this week. It's a tune-up game. Like, the Bears just beat the team that the Packers couldn't beat in January and in a very, very bad environment, too. So, you know, I don't view this as some kind of tune-up game or like a get right game. You know, it could easily, it's another divisional game. Those always go either way. And the Bears could easily go into Lambo and shock the world and beat the Packers. But I personally don't see that happening. I think I think the Packers they they end up getting back on track with this and they win. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say 27 to 17.
3: Yeah, yeah. Honestly we, not much different from our predictions, exactly. frankly.
4: I mean yeah. I,
3: it's like we talked about before we had you on. It's like there's there's two numbers that stick out to me, and that's you know, Aaron Rodgers twenty two and five against the Bears. And then the fact that Aaron Rodgers has eleven touchdowns, zero interceptions, and over seventy two percent or I think it's seventy two or seventy three percent completion rating, and his thrown I think he's averaged like 260 or 270 yards Uh, when he comes off of games. There's only been the four games in this career that he's come off of games where he's had no inter- no touchdowns and at least one interception. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of feel-good with the Bears right now. I think that a lot of Bears fans are feeling better, um, especially after, this, after the 49ers game, but this is still going to be a very tall task, and frankly, this is still a really good Packers team that has had the Bears number for
4: quite a while. Yeah, I think if if they're able to kind of connect on some of the mistakes that they made last week and not leave so many big plays in the field, then yeah, this could be an opportunity for them to kind of get back on track and figure out, you know, what, what went wrong pretty much in Minnesota. Um, I don't think they're too discouraged. So the morale probably isn't, you know, in the gutter. I think they're going to, you know, it's, it's their home opener. So the energy is going to be high and it's, it's difficult playing in Lambeau field. Um, But yeah, they just need to be so much better up front to even have a chance because otherwise the Bears pass rusher is going gonna, is gonna to blow it up.
2: Zach, thanks again for joining us, man. Um, where can everyone follow you on Twitter and where can everyone read your work at?
4: Yeah, no, I thank you guys for having me again. Uh, my Twitter is it's Zachary J. N- not, not like it, you know, it's Zachary J or like it's Zachary J. I mean like it's Zachary J. Uh, and <laughs> you can find me at packerreport.com.
2: Awesome. Good stuff, man. We'll have you, got, uh, have you on again for sure. Um, when the two teams meet again later on this season. But until um, then, man, take care. And we, we really
4: appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys again for having me.
1: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.
2: Of the pack of reports, some good stuff there. We'll see what happens here in week two. Aaron, to close out the show as we always do, we make our predictions and our decision, or not our decision. geez the deciding factor in the game, what to watch for here. I went first last week, so you go first with your prediction on, on Bears-Packers week two.
3: Okay, yeah, I'll I'll start off with my X factor. I think the X factor. At my opinion, it all revolves around Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, I've I've said the numbers. We all know we we all know how dominant Aaron Rodgers has been against the Bears. Uh, we also know their history of bouncing back after a tough game, especially in the uh, you know in this new era that they have you know under their new head coach and their new GM. So I I think the big key here is is limiting Aaron Rodgers. And I think last week you can go back and you can look. I mean, they they scored seven points, but there were a few. Uh, missed catch opportunities or, you know, bad throw opportunities where if they convert those, that's a whole new ballgame. If Christian Watson catches that ball down the sideline, he's gone. You know, that's seven points right there. There are a few other plays where if Aaron Rodgers makes a better throw, that's probably, you know, that's probably going to end up being points too. So, you know, obviously a lot of this is going to come down to the offensive line for the Packers. And I thought the Bears' defense played extremely well. Obviously we'll have to see what the weather holds, but it's going to be very interesting to see if they're able to stick uh you know kind of in that same category um in terms of being dominant and and you know causing turnovers and, and doing what they did uh against the 49ers and transitioning that over um obviously to the packers and then as far as the score prediction goes man i've gone back and forth on this and ah uh, man i as much as i it, it sucks because i really want to say i think the bears are going to win this game i do think it's going to be close um but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with my gut for the time being, and quite frankly, I feel like by the end of the week I'll probably end up talking myself into the Bears somehow winning this game. Uh, I'm gonna go with you know an, an, another close game. I'll go I'm gonna say 23-17 Packers, and I hate to say that. Like I said, I don't I don't feel great about that prediction at all. But at the same time, man, it's just one of those. The Packers have handled the Bears so long, and we've seen how they've rebounded after losses like this that I don't want to overreact too much. Um, so I'm basically going in this cautiously optimistic. Um, but at the same time, if, if they lose, I'm not going to be overly surprised by it.
2: Yeah. Second straight week. I think we're in the same boat here, unfortunately. Um, you know, my X factor is going to be getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers and not letting him pick you apart. You talked about the, the two, the, the wide receivers they have. Don't know if Alan Lazard's going to play either. Um, they struggled last week overall as a receiver unit, If the Bears can get pressure on Aaron Rodgers and make life difficult for him, he doesn't have that safety blanket with um, Devontae Adams. He does have Robert Tunyon back. But if you can make life difficult on him, the Bears are going to have a real shot to win this game. And it's almost like you want them to beat you with the run. I think if you get pressure on Rodgers, it's a recipe for success. Justin Fields, show up in the primetime spotlight. This is your chance. You came off a week one win. Win over the national media right here. Win them over primetime. They keep putting the two teams in prime time. Bears keep getting embarrassed. This is your chance to end that kind of narrative and start a new, um, hopefully a new streak. Unfortunately, though, I do think the Bears are gonna lose. I just I've seen this so many times, man. Like the Packers haven't started 0-2 since 2006. They actually started 0-2 in 0-5 and 05 and 06, but they're just when they come off of, when when they're coming off a loss, Aaron Rodgers is really good, man. And it just feels like he's the boogeyman. It's waiting to put a dagger in your heart. It's prime time. It's in Green Bay, national television. I just, I hope I'm wrong, man. I'll definitely eat the crow again. Um, But I I do think it's a close game. Like the spread is crazy for this game. I I saw it at nine and a half Sunday, eight and a half on some sports books. And then today someone told me, I think it got up to 10 or it got up to 10 yesterday. I think it's gonna be a lot closer. I do think it's gonna be like a a 31-27 game something that range 30 to 27. Um, maybe I'll go with that prediction, 30 to 27 green Bay. I think the bears will be in it at the end. I think they have a chance to actually win the game at the end. You know, I actually forgot about this last year. Like the bears were beating the Packers at halftime um, of that game in green Bay. And there they came out, they got the punt return or the kick return or punt return for a touchdown. They had a nice screenplay by Jakeen grant or, or whoever it was for a touchdown. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I've seen this so many times, like, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Prove me wrong, but I'm going to Green Bay uh, in this one.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it. Like I said, as much as it's I. Hard, want man, it, it's,
2: it's hard, man.
3: It's hard. And who knows? I don't know. By the, by the time that we, we, we do our predictions for, for Fridays, you know, when we, we put our stuff out on Friday, maybe I'll have changed my mind by then. I, I don't know. I just. Like I said, I don't know that the bears are going to get blown out very often. If, if any, you know, if at all this year, um, but it's one of those, like you said, Aaron Rodgers is a boogeyman. There's a lot to prove. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens. I will, I will be pleasantly surprised if they win. I won't be shocked. Um, but I will definitely be pleasantly surprised if they win. And obviously, uh, we'll all be hoping that that is the case. Exactly. Um, Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at
2: and, and read your work?
3: Yep. Uh, you can follow me at Aaron Lemming NFL um, on Twitter and you can read my work on the thebearreport.com. Yeah, you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just justbearreport.
2: Um, you can follow me at Twitter at, at Zach ZSick underscore Pearson. As I mentioned at the beginning, give the Bear Report podcast a, a subscription, a rate, a review. It really helps us out, helps out picks or polls. We're getting the YouTube channel back up and running a little more as well. So go check that out. It's just Bear Report on, on YouTube.